0: Welcome to Off the Deck. I'm your host, Steve Carrera, and each episode, I sit down with a member of the water polo community to speak with them about what helped make them successful in the world of water polo. In this episode, I sat down with three-time Olympian Meryl Moses, the associate head coach at Pepperdine University. If you enjoy the episode, do me a favor, leave a five-star review or share it with your friends. And if you want to support the show, you can go to offthedeckpodcast.com and donate to the program. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Off the Deck. I have the uh, pleasure of speaking to one of the greatest goalies of our our game has ever seen. Uh, He's now the assistant or associate head coach at Pepperdine University, Merrill Moses, three-time Olympian. Merrill, thank you so much for being on the program.
1: Thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, so a lot of things in your background, a lot of honors, and um, uh, a lot of history behind your your game, and, and just really quickly wanted to highlight some of the things that stick out uh, from your resume to me. Obviously, the 2008 Olympic Games silver medalist. I'm assuming one of the highlights, if not the highlight of your your career. But also the other thing that is really important to point out is that 1997 NC2A championship. Uh, that you were able to help uh, get with Pepperdine uh, beating USC in overtime. So obviously want to uh, touch on that, but a a host of other awards and other tournaments uh, throughout your career, through your long storied career. Um, I first wanted to ask you, how did you get involved in the sport of water polo?
1: All right. Well, uh, interesting story. Um, Actually, my father had me playing tons of sports growing up. Uh, which which I loved. Um, and I didn't even find the sport of water polo till my freshman year in high school. I grew up in Rancho Palos Verdes. And at the time, uh, there was three high schools on the hill. Um, and when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I was very involved in Pop Warner football. And, uh, you know, my dream was to be a football player. Um, but when I was going into my freshman year of high school, that's when they decided to combine all three high schools into one powerhouse high school called Peninsula High at the time. Um, and when that happens, people don't really realize when all three high schools combine into one high school, that means you know three different teams combine into one team. Uh, so I, I realized quickly uh, that summer before my freshman year that I was an average football player at best um, and figured out that I probably wasn't going to play that much. Also, it was super hot, and so I <laughs> walked around my walked around my new school and uh heard these whistles at the pool and saw this great game of water polo had no idea what it was went and walked up to the coach and asked him if I could try it out and he said, "Yeah, of course, come try it out." I wanted to be a field player. I saw people scoring that was my thing every Every kid wants to score, you know most people don 't like having the ball thrown at them, yeah. Um, but, uh, but, uh, was a field player my freshman year, uh, and, you know, got the opportunity to play frosh soft. Uh, and then I ended up my sophomore year The I was still on frosh soft and they asked if anyone could play goalie and no one really wanted to do it. But, uh, he said, the coach said, you know what, I'm going to have everyone try it out. And I've been blessed with these long arms. And I was pretty good at it. And the coach said, you're going to be our goalie. And I said, hey, wait a second. I I still want to score. Can we do half and half? Uh, So he let me do half and half. And then my junior year, the varsity coach came up to me and said, we need a goalie. Um, I'd like you to move up to varsity, but you have to play goalie. I fought him on it. But uh, my senior year, after my speech at our banquet, I thanked him uh, because it gave me the opportunity to walk on to Pepperdine University, um, which is a chance I got to prove myself in college as well. So that's how I found out uh, about the sport of water polo and went through high school and then on to Pepperdine.
0: Yeah. So that that's a really interesting story. And I think it, it definitely connects with a lot of people, you know, a lot of, you know, let's say juniors and seniors in high school right now, um, the point about you walking on to Pepperdine. So. Is it, is it fair to say you weren't, like, highly recruited? You were still sort of under the radar at that point?
1: Uh, 100% fair to say. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, I never won a CIF championship. The farthest I got was my senior year. I got to the semifinals of CIF. Uh, I only had one coach come watch me play, and that was the assistant coach at Pepperdine at the time. And uh, then I reached out to a bunch of different coaches uh, to see if I could, you know, come and meet them and walk on. I actually thought I was going to end up at Redlands University. Mm-hmm. Um, but I uh, went and uh, met with all the different coaches. And uh, funny story, I went and met Terry Schroeder for the first time, walked up to him, shook his hand and said, how you doing? I'm Merrill Moses. I'm going to be your new starting goalie. <laughs> um, he, he thought I was uh, probably a little off my rocker at the time. Uh, but he liked my confidence. Uh, he met with me, never watched me play. Obviously his assistant watched me play and said, you know what, if you get in on your own, I'll give you a chance to walk on and try out. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I did that.
0: Yeah. And making the most of your opportunity. And I think that's such a important point in today's, you know, environment in terms of just like, if you really, really want to do it, if you really want to be involved, there's a way for you, for you and a path forward. So you get to Pepperdine, what were some of the challenges or struggles that you had, you know, when you first started and, and when did you know, or feel like, okay, I I could do this. I I, I'm built for this. I could be the starting goalie. Was there a, was there like a moment that you remember?
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, the biggest thing is obviously I went in and told the coach, I was going to be the starting goalie. So my biggest thing was I had to come in in the best shape of my life Mm -hmm. um, because I knew the game was going to be harder than high school for sure um and so i put in a ton of time that summer on my own um and i want to also let the listeners know i never played club water polo once so i you know nowadays there's so many more uh things that people can utilize like club water polo also you know lots of people are sending video now that back then that wasn't a thing yeah um so i i knew that i had to come in in the best shape of my life um uh, came in with incredibly strong legs and i think that's what helped me because when i got to my first practice i i remember i was like oh my god this is so much faster than high school yeah uh, balls were whizzing by me and i was like you know i might be eating my words so i had to kind of just analyze what was going on and i had to change a little bit where i wasn't using my hands as much because the game was so much faster but the reason i was able to do that it's because I came in with such strong legs. Yeah. Um you know, the game is fa- is faster, you have to analyze it faster and you know, people are shooting harder from high school to
0: college for sure. So you when did you become the starting goalie at Pepperdine? How long did it how long did that uh, take?
1: I it my freshman year I was named the starting goalie after the summer, right uh going into the the first couple games. Uh Coach Schroeder gave me an opportunity, and I proved myself. I actually beat out a senior that was started all four years. this is his last year, and they had a freshman goalie that was heavily recruited on a scholarship that I beat out as well Wow, so you know that's one thing i I value greatly about coach Schroeder is he's always going to let the best person play, and you know all you goalies out there know. It's a hard position because usually only one plays.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's that's quite a an amazing journey. And so this must have been in 1994, around there. 1995. 19- uh, 95. Okay. So yeah. Fast forward to your what what would have been your junior year. Junior year. And you're yeah. now so you know for those who don't know you were in the what's now the Pac-12. Uh, you were in the MPSF. And so you had to play everybody, UCLA, USC, UOP, Stanford, Cal. Stanford. They were all in that same conference. And then you still have the conference tournament. Um, so did you guys, and, and I'm hoping that, I'm sorry that I don't have this in front of me, but did you guys end up winning MPSF that year or did you have to get an at-large bid?
1: No, it's kind of funny story. So uh we ended up only losing one game all season. Wow. Uh until hold on, until the conference tournament. So we definitely had the at large. Um but we went into the conference tournament and won our first game and then lost two games after that. So uh we ha I think it's kind of one of the better things that happened to us is to have those losses because you know, when you're almost undefeated, you kinda of feel invincible and yeah. then kind of get a you know, a gut check saying, Oh, wait a second, if you're not on your game, you know, you, you can lose. So I think it was the best thing that happened to us, um, and ended up, you know, beating SC in a thrilling match in overtime in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, um, to get the first N C two A championship for Pepperdine University. And it was a great game uh I always say this sport is such a team sport. We ended up winning 8 to 7 and we had seven different players score. Wow. Uh so only one of our players scored twice. They they couldn't come up with just one MVP, they had three, a tri-MVP um which I was one of the three MVPs of the game.
0: Wow. And that was quite an eclectic group of of people on that team. I mean, I remember speaking to Coker uh about that. I mean, you guys had Um, guys from Jay community college. You guys had guys like yourself who like weren't heavily recruited. You guys had sort of under the radar guys. What do you remember about what coach Schroeder was able to do in terms of like bringing that group together in 97? I mean, there had to have been something that made you guys believe um, besides the winning. I mean, obviously winning always helps everything, but I mean, what could you tell us about Coach Schroeder and just how he is as a as a leader um, during that time, and even now?
1: Um, yeah, no. One thing that Coach Schroeder's incredibly good at is you know bringing the team together with team chemistry and creating that family atmosphere. You know that's what he did in '97. Uh, that's what he did when he was my Olympic coach, and uh, you know that's what we stress now with me coaching him. Um, so I think uh, you know. It's just something that if you believe that you're all in this together and you're willing to go to battle with the person next to you and do everything you can, uh, you know, great things can happen. And, uh, you know, one of the quotes that I think we kind of live by is it's amazing uh, what you can do as a team if you don't care who gets the credit. Yeah. Um, And that's that's kind of what we were all about is, you know, do the little things. And, you know, our, our bench players were called the bus at the time. And, and the bus was always loud. There, there was players that never played, but they were a huge part of our success because you look over and they were just so fired up for the team. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the you know, that's the thing is he built a team that believed in each other and was willing to go to battle for each other. And, you know, when things, you know, weren't going our way, we still believed that we could do it because we've been there before. And um, I think that's a, a great thing. I I think in 2008, when we won the silver medal, you know, we knocked off Serbia, who was the powerhouse. And on paper, they were the best team, Um, a great group of individuals, but uh, you know, our Olympic team was a great team and uh, you, and water polo is a team sport. So if you, if you play like a bunch of individuals, you're probably not going to be that successful. And I think that's something that he's so good at is building the team chemistry for sure.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really amazing. So we're going to get back to, um, some of the playing days, but I want to do, um, ask you, you know, having seen the water polo from so many different perspectives, you know, but also coming from a really sort of humble beginning in terms of not being around club and not all that kind of stuff. So you've seen it, the sport evolve so much, you know, just like I have, I mean, I graduated in 95, uh, from urban high school and from 95 to, 2020 the game is just totally different and the clubs and everything else so what's your overall feeling about the state of water polo right now um do you have any thoughts about you know the high school game the college game and then team usa uh
1: yeah no for sure you know you've seen the game transition i have as well now as a coach you know i played uh in college when they had two pointers yeah you know that that's the uh, that's one thing is uh that's interesting about our sport is uh the rule changes. Um, And I understand why they do them. They're trying to, you know, get the spectators involved as much as possible because unfortunately we're not one of the powerhouse sports that everyone's watching. I would love it if we were on TV um, like it is in Europe and and stuff like that. But uh, I think the overall state of water polo is doing very well. You know, USA Water Polo is doing a great job. Um, You know, they have, their memberships have increased. You're seeing uh, clubs increase. You're seeing college programs uh pop up new college programs. So I, I definitely think high school and college is definitely doing very well. And USA Water Polo is doing a tremendous job also, you know, uh they, they've gotten amazing coaches to coach the Olympic teams. You know, Kakorian is a legend in uh, what he's doing with the women's program. And I've had the honor of being coached, you know, by Radko Rudich and then uh Coach Schroeder, Coach Azevedo. And then, uh, coach Dovich as well. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, water polo in general is doing very well. And I think it's just going to get more and more powerful. I would love if, uh, I know, you know, there's been talks, I think it would be tremendous if we could get a professional league out here and maybe get some games on TV. Um, and I think that's just very difficult because it's not a sport that's well known, but I think that would help even more if we could ever get to that point because, I've played professionally in my career uh, after 2008. Um, I got the opportunity because uh, we did so well, uh, got the opportunity to go play professionally in Croatia, uh, got the opportunity to play in Italy for two years. And then uh, before the Olympics, when I, I ended up in 2000 uh, being cut, I ended up going to Spain and playing in Division Two as well uh with Jack Coker which was an awesome time. So, seeing it internationally and seeing it in the newspaper on TV is pretty amazing. Yeah. And uh having the having the leagues which I think would be uh you know, something that would be great. I think USA Waterpolo is doing a good job uh trying to get that with uh, the National League. Um and you see that they're, you know, streaming it and uh it's getting more and more competitive. So, I think we're on the right path for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time before Things like that become more mainstream. I just, I think you know when you're when you're talking about things on TV, obviously it it all goes back to viewership, and you know it's important that the water polo community understands that people have to watch these games, even if you know, I mean, even if not your favorite your favorite team isn't playing, you know, you kind of have to do it for the sport. So, um, you know, and you've sort of also been able to see the evolution of of Team USA, and we were talking, you know, off air you know, the state of Team USA and, and the men's and the women's and having been around it from the inside as, as a player, um, what were some of the things that you felt, you know, were really good and some of the things that you wished, you know, we could have done better, um, you know, and I'm talking, to, I'm not talking USA water polo, I'm talking about like us as a fan base, you know, what, what could we have done better to maybe support the team if there's anything.
1: Uh, You know, in all honesty, with the fan base, I think, uh, you know, every game that I played on USA soil was either sold out or, you know, basically almost at full capacity. So I think the fan base was there. And I think the things that we could have done better when I started, we are doing already. It's just like live streaming the games. Um, And, you know, we've USA water polo is catching up with the times for sure. Just like, you know, when I first started, you know, we didn't have as much resources as a player, which now, uh, you know, the whole game has changed with athletes and what they need and the therapy and the training tables and, you know, the nutrition. So uh, I will say that USA Water Polo is doing a great job keeping up with the times because, you know, I've been a part of a lot of different quads of training. Yeah. Uh yeah. and seeing and seeing them catch up with the times. And so uh I I think the fan base is doing everything uh needed. You know, I, I guess the only thing uh that I think we could do is like you said, is when games are being streamed, um, you know, I think uh USA Waterpool does a great job with Greg Miskal and uh, you know, whoever he has guest announcing, I think they do do awesome when they have like Tony Azebedo, Brenda Via, Cam Craig. Uh, you know, they're having athletes in there I believe Ryan Bailey did it once um to try and keep the viewers engaged as yeah. well to get a player's uh a player's take on the game as well if you can't make it to the game definitely uh you know view it so they see that you know it's it's there and people are utilizing the the live stream
0: Yeah for sure for sure so um one more question on this subject uh, in terms of the college game you know now as a player uh well as a player you had you saw You know, division one quote unquote division one water polo different than what you see now uh you have the formation of the gcc which pepperdine uop long beach state uci uh you guys are all a part of that um so how do you feel about this new conference um or you know what are the pluses what are the minuses i mean maybe there are no minuses but um How do you I mean you had to come up in a different era? I mean, obviously you had to to get to the top of the mountain, you had to go through a different route. So, um what do you think about it now?
2: Um,
1: so the the Gold Coast Conference uh has UOP, San Jose, Santa Barbara, Pepperdine, Long Beach, UCI, those six teams. Uh and uh, you know, in twenty sixteen we broke away from, from the MPSF. Um and obviously I'm the coach at Pepperdine, so I'm going to say it from my perspective, I think it's been a great thing for the sport. Um, I think, uh, you know, people have seen that it's kind of leveled the playing field, um, not only uh, with getting us an automatic bid, but also, uh, you know, recruits are more inclined to come to one of those six schools now because they know they have a chance, to make it to nc 2 as yeah. which is one, most uh people's dream you know before uh before this conference was made uh pepperdine was the last team in 1997 to win it and then i don't know the exact year but i believe it might have been 2003 uh uop was the school after that to get into nc2a's um so uh, i think it's been great overall for the sport to you know make it so more teams are involved. And you guys have seen that with, uh, you know, the last couple of years, GCC schools are beating MPSF schools. Um, so I, I think it's better for the sport. But, um, you know, I think uh, ultimately uh, the, seeing the, the sport transition from when I was playing to coaching uh, is generally uh, it's it's pretty much the same except for the rule changes uh you know the it's pretty uh rigorous for a student athlete yeah uh to do all the things that they're demanded and that's the one thing i will say that has changed and i'm sure students can agree on this is that uh scholastically it's gotten harder yeah um you know uh i think uh as everything's changed with the time, so has the the workload in school um, but one thing i see as a coach which is nice to see is that water polo players are uh, definitely staying up with the times and you're seeing um, some great transcripts and test scores come across our desk now with very talented water polo players. And that's more of the norm that I see now.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I know that you guys over the past um, several years have been able to attract some really high level recruits. And I, I do agree with you. I mean, I think the GCC just offers so much more opportunity for players who, I mean, like this last year, I mean, the parity in, in, between the MPSF or, you know, the Pac-12 and and the GCC, I mean, you guys were pretty even. There was a lot of different, you know, teams up at the top at any given moment. It's really exciting to see that this new decade is going to bring, you know, this could be the decade that a GCC school wins uh, the NC2A. I, I think you guys are getting closer and closer. I, I just hope that the people who are on that, on those recruiting tables, I hope those guys realize that there's like a really good opportunity to play high level water polo, uh, at the GCC. So, um, you know, that sort of is a perfect segue into the next question, which is, you know, what are some of those challenges that you feel you have coaching at Pepperdine right now? Uh, if there are any, uh, what's your biggest hurdle?
1: I, I think to be honest, uh, our athletic department really helps us utilize every aspect of the recruiting that we have and uh, is in great support of our program you know i'd say the biggest hurdle for sure is uh you know some recruits want to go to a football school we don't have football um uh but i will say i went to pepperdine and i went to plenty of football games yeah uh, when i was in college uh and then you know like you said uh our school's a smaller school some people like to have a bigger school atmosphere um so i i think with that being said it has to be the perfect fit when we're recruiting. uh, We tell kids, this is one of the most important decisions of their life. Um, It's usually where they, you know, kind of find out what they want to do in life and, you know, become uh, a man. And, you know, our thing is, is we want to mold our athletes into great human beings that, um, you know, do well in school and hopefully become great fathers, great husbands as well. Um, So I think that, you know, In the water polo world there's so many great coaches in the mpsf and gcc it's just got to be the right fit for those recruits um and that's why i always encourage recruits to go on their recruiting trips see firsthand uh what uh is at each school and they'll they'll know like i walked on to pepperdine university and i'm like this is the place where i want to go yeah Yeah. um so um but uh not, not to i'd say that's the only challenges i face is if someone doesn't like the smaller atmosphere or doesn't want to go to a non-football school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of facilities and everything else, I mean, Pepperdine is top notch. I mean, um, having coached at Concordia and having played Pepperdine, I always give credit to Jack Coker for giving me an opportunity to, you know, he was like the first coach to give me an opportunity to play a big school like that. And I mean, the facilities and just the view is, Pretty, it's pretty amazing yeah. at Pepperdine University. You know,
1: I, I, I love going to work every day. But, uh, yeah, our athletic department has definitely made, made it uh, a great place to play. You know, we hosted the Gold Coast Conference uh, this year. Yeah. Um, I think our school and athletic department did an amazing job. Um, and we heard that same feedback from the Gold Coast Conference and all the schools that were involved. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's the one of the homes of – the Olympics as well.
2: So, you know, we
1: hosted the Olympics. So uh, yeah, the pool, the pool definitely has some history and uh, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, get back to putting another banner up there. We got close this year.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, every year is going to be a little bit closer. And so, you know, touching on the Olympic games um, you know, we're in Olympic year and right now a lot of uncertainty don't know, you know, we're in the middle of this uh, coronavirus sort of lockdown. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen, but, um, you know, you were fortunate enough to be a part of three Olympic games and you're, you guys were able to win the silver medal in 2008. And so, you know, I, I read a funny sort of story on your bio, uh, from Pepperdine. Um, and we were talking a little bit about it before we started recording, which is you're part of the mortgage industry in, in 2004 and you sort of had put water polo to the side it was it, w- it was a done deal you were ready to move on with your life and then you were able to get back uh, on the team in 2006 and then became the starter the starting goalie in 2008 and and won the uh won the silver medal so you know what was that like i mean to to hang it up and then come back and then basically do something that only very, very, very few Americans have been able to do. Um, what was that experience like? Can could you, could you tell talk to us about that time?
1: Yeah, no, it was definitely a, a unique experience for sure. So I was one of the last uh, people cut in 2004. So I, I touched base earlier in the conversation that uh, I was cut in 2000 and ended up going to Spain and playing with Jack Coker. That was expected. I was one of the puppy dogs on the team. Uh, I think I was the sixth goalie that was in the training camp. Um, And actually uh, Coach Vargas was the coach, uh, an amazing coach as well. Um, And so uh, I knew that that was going to happen and ended up going to Spain and then came back and started playing under Coach Rudich, uh, who's an amazing coach, one of the toughest coaches I've ever had to play for, uh, but definitely uh, pushed us mentally and physically, um, uh, but was devastated. was one of the last people cut in 2004 thought my Olympic dream was over and I decided that I was going to try something different and ended up going into the mortgage industry. Um, the mortgage I, industry was very good at, can so, I interrupt yeah. you
0: for just one second? I think one thing that is important to touch on really quick is, and not to put you on the spot here is what is it like for you? What, what is it like for you to remember that being cut moment in 2004? because obviously you felt like okay this was your time 2000 wasn't your time you you accepted it you got it 2004 i'm assuming you're like okay this is it i'm going to make it um and obviously you're a very competitive uh, guy
1: it was it was devastating
0: like can you walk uh, us through I, that moment
1: uh it it's a hard moment and you know i feel now as a coach uh where i've had to make some decisions like that um it, it's tough cuz you know you're you're people are putting in a lot of things uh, aside to accomplish their goals. And that was one of my goals. And I came short and uh, you know, it, it was hard. Luckily I have a great family, great support system that that was there for me. And uh, you know, I bounced back from it for sure. And ended up saying, okay, I guess this, you know, isn't the path that God wanted me to do is yeah. I'm going to go into the work, into the workforce and, ended up uh you know being very successful in the mortgage industry but as you know i I told you when we were talking uh before we got on airs i think everything happens for a reason and uh you know i was fortunate enough um in 2006 to get a phone call from coach terry schroeder who was named the assistant coach at the time uh ricardo azevedo was the head coach at the time and uh, they both agreed that if they were going to get back to the podium that uh, they needed a a great goalkeeping in the cage, but that wasn't any guarantee by no means that I was going to be the goalkeeper. They gave me an opportunity to say, uh, would you like to come back to the team? Uh, When I got that phone call from coach Schroeder, I walked into my uh, boss's office the next day, told him I was going to hang uh, up the the suit and tie and grab the speedo out of the closet (laughs) and dust it off. Yeah. Um, uh he th- he thought i was um a little crazy cuz i had a team of 14 loan officers underneath me um and was making great money but ultimately i wanted to obtain my goal of being an olympian, uh, being an Olympian and representing team usa uh a funny story when coach Schroeder called me i'm like i haven't been in the water for 2 years wow i'm like it's, I'm like, it's at least going to take me a year to get back into shape. And he's like, don't worry, we have two. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done because for all you water polo athletes out there, you know, if you're not in the water for two weeks, it feels like you're jumping in oil. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I had to slowly progress to make sure I didn't injure myself. And it literally took me, uh, about a year to get back to, being normal. And then that uh, next year to get to being in excellent shape. So, uh, it was definitely a hard road, but I was, you know, again, uh, I'm very goal oriented and made sure that I took care of my body in the best way possible, uh, to make sure I had no regrets. Cause it was like a second opportunity that, uh, I thought would never happen.
0: Yeah. That's pretty amazing. So I, and I, I don't want to keep harping on this, but I just feel like it's an important point, um, for, for goalies in particular and people who are trying to make teams. Um, I want to just really quickly go back to 2004. Um, mm-hmm. How did you, how did you find out?
1: Um, oh, wh- I got po- I found coach, coach Rudich pulled me into the office and told me that, you know, uh, he, he chose to go a, another direction. And there was great goalies that made that Olympic team. Brandon Brooks and Janai Kerr yeah. um, are are amazing goalkeepers, great friends. Um, and the goalie position, like I said, is extremely hard. Uh, you know, one usually plays and two only travel. And that's usually the case in college as well. Uh, is You know, for example, on our team, you know, we only hold four goalkeepers four goalkeeper spots. Uh, and then on the national team, uh, you know, in the old way, it was two goalies and usually one played And uh, you know, with the new rules, now they're going to have one goalie on the roster and one can go and be in the Olympic village in case of injury. So it's even harder for team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for goalies out there, you know, I say, is if you get cut, just ask the coaches, you know, what you could do better, why, um, and if, you know, there's always going to be an opportunity to, you know, obtain your goal later on in the future. And I'm living proof of that.
0: Yeah, no, um, because absolutely. I,
1: I I got that phone call and I jumped on it. But again, I had to work extremely hard and I did not get that position gifted to me by no, no means. I had to work hard. And uh, it was challenging because, uh, you know, the last couple of months before 2008 Olympics, they still did not make a decision and they narrowed it down to me and Brandon Brooks. And, you know, Brandon would play a game, then I'd play a game and then they would play us in halves. And then, you know, you get the first half then the second half, and then they flip flop to see how you'd be in those scenarios. Wow. And all you goalies out there, you understand what I'm talking about is it's difficult, but uh, you have to stay mentally strong and be ready to go in at any time and prove your skills. And they didn't make the decision on the starting goalkeeping position until 3 weeks before the Olympics in 2008 after a tournament in Italy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And you know it's it's interesting because I've always viewed the the goalie position as like the quarterback, you know. It's like um what you guys have to go through, what what the girls have to go through in the sense that you know, you're both, both, both goalies are world-class. I mean, you're not talking about like one, you know, like in high school where it's like one goalie may be head and shoulders above the other. Um, you know, you're talking about like two goalies that are really talented really athletic and it's really like a matter of the chemistry and how things are fitting in with the team. I would assume at that level and correct me if I'm wrong, I would assume that very little has to do with necessarily like statistics as much as it has to do with how you're fitting in with the overall scheme and, and the teams that you're playing and all that kind of stuff. And so when you are the backup, you know, like when you're not playing, what advice can you give or what were you going through in terms of staying ready, staying prepared, because you had to go in at any given moment, um, what could you tell us about that yeah. mindset?
1: For sure. I, I think one of the biggest things for me, uh, you know, I was always extremely close with my competitors that were goalies. That's just, you know, we we play in a sport that uh, we're blessed that it's a great community. And uh, I love all the goalies that I competed against, uh, but it was, not, it was time to get in the water. I was competing for sure. Um, And that was my mentality is you always have to be mentally ready, prep, listen to your coaches for the game plan, even if you're not supposed to be playing, you have to be engaged. Um, And one of my biggest things as a coach and as a player is body language. Um, You know, if you're not playing and you're just checked out, me as a coach, I'm not going to put you in, you know, Uh, but if, if you're engaged, you're ready, you're supporting the goalie that's playing, you're supporting your team. Um, You know, if if something goes wrong, if they see see that they need to make a change, they're the coach is going to be more inclined to make that change because he knows again that you're all in. You're a team player. Yeah. Um, So I I think that's the thing is you just you got to prepare like you're going to play every game, every minute, um, and just have the right body language and support. And when it's your time, you know, step up and be ready to go Um, because unfortunately you don't get that many opportunities in life and when you get one you want to grasp it and take it um you know you guys have seen this in football all the time where someone gets hurt and uh you know if someone's not ready to step up you know the limelight might pass them Uh, but you know you've seen some amazing quarterbacks amazing receivers step in and now they're big names because of it
0: yeah no definitely and i think that mindset is so so important for people because and something that you said really really makes a lot of sense and i think most coaches would agree that the body language is just so important i mean you can sort of tell when someone's defeated and um when someone's not engaged or when someone's not like as interested because they know they're not the starter and those those teams that or those players that stay engaged and keep the eye contact i wanted to ask you this just because it's always been on my mind i mean You're such a you know, if you've seen if people have seen video of you or watch you play, you're so fiery, you're so like engaged with your teammates, you're so vocal um, and the confidence that you have seems to come out the way you play that athletic, uh, you know, really sort of fiery style. Do you think that helped you? get win over your teammates a little bit as well and your coaches or do you think it was it had nothing to do with you starting or not starting
1: um i don't think it had anything to do with me starting or not starting like i always say every everyone has different techniques and different styles
2: for sure yeah
1: um and ultimate ultimately as a coach and as a teammate uh they you know if someone is quiet but just gets the job done and is blocking the ball you you want them in there right yeah. uh but uh i definitely think uh the way i play uh and like you said if people watch me play I, i'm definitely animated i'll definitely let players know when i block them <laughs> <laughs> you know i always say i always say i'm the nicest guy out of the water i'm an extremely intense guy in the water i mean is that uh, happening like
0: are you talking smack to the guys like we're talking like Serbia, not, Croatia. Like, are you like, kind of like, you know, you're trying to get in their head, right?
1: Yeah. Actually actually, kind of funny. An alumni reached out cause he was uh, sending stuff uh, to his uh, club team and said, you know, dude, who is the biggest smack talker in uh, the Olympics? <laughs> and I said, at, at that, at that level, there's so much respect that you're not really talking smack but, like, if I make a block, I'm, like, yelling, pumping up my team. Yeah, I'm not yeah. yelling at them. Uh, but, yeah, it's over. They're, when you get to that level, there's so much respect. And, actually, the the game's probably played a lot cleaner than at the lower levels. Yeah. Um, because, you know, people have been there and done it for so many times. Um, but I do think that my intensity uh, carries on to my team. And I always said, like you said, I always thought of myself as a quarterback as well. And my job is to lead my defense and give them, you know, basically the fire that they know the ball's coming at me. 90% of the time it's going to be blocked and they can counter. Um, and so I think they fed off of my energy, but by no means do I think my style uh, helps solidify my my position as being the starter. I think when it comes down to a coach, they made the decision based on who's getting the job done. Better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's quite an experience. And I would encourage anybody to go back and, you know, YouTube some of your some of your games and some of those Olympic games. I mean, you know, you're yelling after you make a block. I, I would say that most people watching the games were yelling at their TV or or live stream uh, when I know I was. It was it was quite an amazing experience just to be a fan so um you know you've had a lot of different a good
1: a, a good a good game to youtube would be uh when we beat serbia 10 to 5 to get to the gold medal match that was uh i always say that that day the ball looked like a beach ball
0: for really sure. really you were just yeah, in the zone it was, it was that day. It,
1: i was in the zone that team destroyed us for basically the whole time i played for usa um any any scrimmage anytime we played them They destroyed us and uh, they had, again, on paper, the best team on paper, a bunch of individuals. But when stuff started going wrong, they started bickering with each other and we just stuck together and uh, our team had a great team win and uh, definitely was uh, a very fun game to play because after you get beat down by so many times by the same team and then you get to on the biggest stage in sports, uh, you know, beat them, but not only, you know, beat them 10 to five. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's amazing. Uh, That's incredible. You know what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to put that, that link in the show notes for people to check it out. Um, You know, and that way people can check out that game uh, just through, through the the show notes. Um, And so you've had so many different coaches from all these different backgrounds. I mean, just the ones that you named Schroeder, uh, Vargas, Ricardo, um, Ratko day um, you know, and Schroeder at two different levels, you know, like college coach and then the Olympic coach, which is pretty, it's pretty amazing actually that, uh, that sort of thing came, came full circle where, you know, he coached you when you guys won the national championship and then he coached you when you guys won the silver medal, which is amazing. Um, what are some of the things that you feel like you've picked up, um, from him, from Coach Schroeder in particular, or any coach actually. Let's just go any coach that keeps the team hungry to win and compete. Um, have you learned anything, and that you've that you've brought into your coaching repertoire?
1: Um, you know, I think for uh, you know when you're competing for the uh, the Olympics, I, I definitely think those players that are in the pool it's kind of gotten to the point where they're always going to remain hungry. But I think uh, one of the things that coach Schroeder did that I think helped us out a lot is that we had to make obtainable goals. Hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people just say, Oh, I want to go win a gold medal. Um, and in 2008, you know, we, our, our slogan was let's get back to the podium. Yeah. Um, because you know, they, they hadn't been back to the podium in 20 years since 1988. Yeah. So, uh, our, that was our slogan. And then, you know, once we got there, then, you know, let's keep going. So I, I think, uh, setting obtainable goals and then checking in and rechecking those goals because they, they got to keep changing for sure. Um, so that's something I think that I, I learned from coach Schroeder. Um, you know, I learned a lot of different things from a lot of different coaches. Uh, I I'd say, you know, coach Vargas, uh, definitely helped me tremendously, um, on the importance of counterattack. He was, you know, very into the counterattack and he probably helped me improve my passing a lot. Um, I am not known for my passing. That was one of my weaknesses. Hmm. Uh, and so I always had to, I always had to try and work on it. Um, coach Rudich, uh, definitely, uh, helped me, uh, Learn the european style and learn uh what my body can do physically and take it to the next level for sure um and uh coach ricardo great tactician uh coach alzevedo ricardo alzavedo great tactician taught me a lot about studying the different players um and Co- coach deon adovicich uh just all around uh tactics and uh you know i i i respect him greatly because he knew that I'd been to a lot of Olympics and I had my style. Um but you know, in the in the practices we'd sit and talk and he would tell me what he's learned through, you know, he knows a lot about the goalie position which was awesome. Yeah. Uh he would, he would ta- he'd t- tell me what he's had his goalies do and then I could sit and tell him what I think works best and uh he never tried to change me, which I think is important for a coach as everyone has different styles. He just wanted me to you know, do the best at my style, which yeah. I, which I thought was great. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Coach Udovich has a, a great tactical mind and uh, was a great coach. So, yeah, I have been blessed to have so many great coaches um, and I've learned a lot of different things as a player. And now I try and implement that into my coaching as well,
0: Yeah, uh, which I think is, you know, which is great. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think Coach, uh, Coach Dayon gets a lot of negative press you know and and I'm talking about just like some of the fan base and but what's what's interesting is that when you talk to the players that have played for him they all have so much respect for him Um, they all feel like he's uh, so smart and so knowledgeable about the game and um, you know that's sort of like a common thread that I'm getting you know from a lot of the players that are playing for him right now and then players that played for him in the past and I think sometimes he doesn't get as much credit, um, as, as maybe he should, but I think little things like what you're saying right now about like coming in here from a foreign country and not trying to like change everybody, but trying to work with people. I think that's an important asset to have. Um, and I think that's, I think that's valuable for any coach to learn, you know what I mean? Like there's, of course there's your way, but there's, there are some times where you have to sort of back off and let Players make plays, right? I mean, I'm sure you see that at the college level. Coaching, you can't overcoach. I mean, sometimes you got to just let people play.
1: Uh, yeah, I've seen people lose because they've overcoached. No, for sure, you have to. You have to know your players. Uh, a best coach knows how to get to each one of those players. It can't just be a blank slate of this is how we do it, and you know, it, it's got to be different for almost each individual player. Like I know that I can coach one of my players one way and it will not work for the other one whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so great coaches know how to get the best out of each one of their players for sure. Yeah. No. And uh yeah, I think uh like I I told you, I think I respect Dayon tremendously. I think he's a great coach. Think he's doing a great job. Yeah.
0: That's awesome to hear. Um so kind of touching on water polo as a whole, um you know, what are some of the things that you're not liking about our sport? What what can we as a community do better?
1: Um, one of the things that I think is really confusing for the players and the coaches and referees, but I think this is being remedied. But it's hard to keep up with is the rule changes. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. For example, this year college was played one way and JO's was played another. Uh. You know. Uh. They they went with the international rules. Which are going to be played in the Olympics. So I, I, I understand uh, this is a hard thing to remedy because uh, the NC2A does rule changes every two years,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, where the Olympic Committee and Water Polo Committee can change it year to year. Um, so I just think that uh, the rules haven't been changed yet, but I, I, I foresee that that's going to happen. And I just think that that's something that's easier for the athletes coaches and referees that it's you know all the way from the lower levels to the olympic level the games playing played the same now i'm not saying for the introductory level splash ball level i do agree with those rule changes uh because they're just getting into it um where they go to the box come right back out stuff like that yeah i'm just i'm just saying uh when you know you're getting to the higher level play in high school and club to college to national team It'd be nice for the spectators, referees, and coaches for it all to be the same. Because you know, let's say a spectator goes and watches uh, a high school game, then goes and watches, you know, Team USA play Spain, which was supposed to be happening. Um, you know, they're going to be like, "Wait, what? This didn't happen in that game." Yeah. It's just you know, we we don't want to confuse people. But uh, I think uh, it again. I don't have a remedy to the solution because it's, it's a hard one. Cause I do believe the reason they are changing the rules is to make the sport more spectator friendly Yeah. because ultimately, like we said, we want to get more people watching our game. Uh, and yeah. And, and I mean, more people watch it.
0: And if I could just like interject a little bit, I don't, I, I take what you're saying as like, not necessarily, um, you know, not necessarily like that, a solution that's needed. It's more like I mean, the rule changes are fine, like you said, but it to me, I agree with you 100%. I, I don't see a reason why we don't have the same rules for high school, age group, college. Like, if the governing body changes the rules, that should just be the thing that changes it for everybody. There should not be another, you know, there needs to be some, one Um, one thing that supersedes all and I mean if the Olympic Committee is changing it or if the world of the sport is changing it then it should change all the way down the line I mean I coached you know Olu in the fall and then I coached club starting in January and literally the rules were different and it's like really hard really confusing
1: yeah it's and and you as a coach know you have to ref it too. So you're sitting there going, Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and you're learning as you go. You're learning as you go. Yeah. There's there's not like this uh thing that you know, even the referees are learning as they go. And I'll never forget the first game that I coached with the new rules. We had like like ten, five meters and it was just like, Okay, what is going on? Like I just you know, you just sort of throw away all the stuff that you've been working on in practice um because the referees are dictating what the new rules are which is fine i mean i get i get that but it's just really hard so what el- what else is something that you you'd be uh like to change if you could if you had a magic wand if anything
1: uh, I, I think i touched base I think i touched base on it it's uh we're already in the process of doing it but just it would be great if we could eventually get a professional league over here i think that'll help USA water polo and the sport in general, but I do think we are doing the best we can with what we have. And USA water polo is doing an amazing job with national league. Um, and uh, I, that's something I've always wanted because I played professionally. I, I knew how important it was to me. Um, and that would be great if uh, you know, we could get team USA players to actually just play home uh, with some high level competition. And maybe instead of USA players going overseas to play, we have some foreigners coming here. Um and playing in the league, so I I don't know if it'll happen. I hope it happens, and I think it'd be great for
0: the sport. Yeah, no, definitely be amazing. I actually have a proposal that I'd like to. I'll throw it your way one day when we (laughs) when we get together, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it would be pretty amazing to keep the players playing. I think is the new motto from the people that I've talked to over the past several, you know, podcasts and, and other coaches around, just keep the players playing. We luckily had the benefit of having you play, you know, three Olympic games. You know, someone like Tony played five. Adam Wright played three, I believe. Ryan Bailey, you know, it's it's one of those things where the more they play, the the more success we're going to have. And I think that's, that's just a given. So as we're sort of wrapping this up, I want to ask you um, – you know who have been some of your biggest mentors or influences in your career?
1: Um you know we've talked a lot about him uh but you know one of the biggest mentors i have in my life uh is Terry Schroeder. Uh you know the man took a huge chance on me. I told you i walked up to him told him i was be a starting goalie. Um and he had no idea who i was but uh you know he's uh someone that has taught me uh so much about the game and so much about being a a great person, um, which is, you know, just amazing. And, uh, you know, I look at him as a father figure now, and I, I feel blessed that I get to coach alongside of him. Um, I think, uh, you know, he, he has definitely taught me a lot about coaching and, uh, I think we're the perfect yin and yang for Pepperdine for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, as a coaching staff, but, uh, yeah, he, he's definitely mentored me in life and water polo for, you know, Since 1995, it's, uh, you know, to have, like you said, to have him as my college coach, learn from him at a young age. Um, Obviously, you know, he liked what I was all about and uh, to make that phone call in 2006 to bring me back um, and then coach me uh, for two Olympics and then, uh, you know, call me again and ask me if I wanted to be his assistant coach uh, in 2012. Uh, was just an amazing thing. I had no idea that I was going to be a coach, um, but uh, when I had the opportunity to be working beside him for the rest of my life and give back to the program that gave me so much, um, it was kind of a no brainer.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so definitely Terry's been a great mentor uh, taught me about, you know, living life uh, with, you know, excellence and uh, commitment and discipline for sure. Um, you know, one thing that uh, we do is we have six pillars of success, and I just named uh, you know three of those. And uh, I think he uh, demands excellence in everything he does, and uh, that's something that uh, I've learned as well. Is you know, you, if you're disciplined and committed, uh, you'll get to that excellence for sure.
2: Yeah,
0: that, that's pretty um, amazing. And,
1: well, uh, you know, the the second biggest mentor is my father, Max Moses for sure. Um, You know, he, without him, uh, I wouldn't have been able to play uh, water polo because uh, for most of you out there, uh, you know, water polo is not a lucrative sport. And uh, you know, my mother and father, uh, my mom, Marlene Moses, and my dad Max Moses uh, helped support my dreams and helped me uh, accomplish the goal of being an Olympian uh, and get, to be able to play the sport that I love. Uh, But my dad was always that person that
2: uh,
1: uh, said, try as many sports as you can um, and, you know, one will stick. I think now now he's told me now I'm the father of three and I, I I teach the same way he does is I try and get my daughters into any, many sports as they want to. Uh, Unfortunately, none of them have uh, gone towards water polo yet, (laughs) Uh, but hopefully they will. I'm I'm sure they will at some point. Yeah, well, they're they're still young. We got seven, five, and in twenty months.
0: Oh yeah, you got time.
2: Uh,
1: But uh, yeah, I got time. Uh, But yeah, my dad has always been there for me and definitely uh, helped me throughout everything. And you know, he's definitely the reason I am the man I am today as well. And then, you know, before he's not one of my mentors, but definitely someone that's been by my side. You know, my wife, uh, especially, and you know, she was at, uh, the 2012 Olympics, eight months pregnant. Uh, wow. she, uh, was my girlfriend at the time. She dropped everything. Uh, I asked her if she wanted to move to Italy with me. And, uh, when I went and played professionally, dropped her whole career, moved to Italy with me on a whim. Um, and now she's my wife, um, and has three beautiful girls with her. So, you know, it's kind of awesome Is she, uh, is a very big water polo mind as well. So she, uh, loves the game and she knows a lot about it, which is, I can talk shop with her. Yeah. Um, But uh, one of my best supporters for sure. And uh, I love her for supporting me and uh, helping me accomplish my Olympic dream as well.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, I think you could do a whole podcast, if not two or three on like coaches, spouses, you know, coaches, significant oh my others. God. Like it's. We,
1: we haven't even gone to the coaching side of it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a, as a <laughs> As a player, she, you know, for uh, in 2016, and a lot of people don't know because I was coaching at Pepperdine at, at the same time. You know, I was blessed that our athletic department let me do both. But uh, my kids are up here in Thousand Oaks. So I was commuting to Orange County every morning at 5 a.m. Wow. and would come back and come back at three to spend time with my kids, put them to bed, eat spend about an hour with my wife and then start over. So, wow. you know, that was hard on her for sure. Yeah. But no, uh, she was awesome. She, she, she's, she's always been one of those women. That's like, if this is something you want to do, I'll support you. We're in this together. So, yeah,
0: no, that's great. That's really cool. And so the last question I have for you um, is what advice would you give to someone starting off uh, in your position or what advice would you give yourself uh when you started coaching? you know if you can go back in time? what would you tell yourself to focus on
1: um you know just focus on the little details for sure uh you know the season is so short, and you know i i I always tell people I wish I knew now uh I mean, I wish I knew back then what I know now, yeah. because uh, I had an amazing team my first year. Um, but, you know, as a new coach, it's hard. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great players, um, but that doesn't they are necessarily great coaches. And so I've worked extremely hard to be a student of the game. Um, one thing I would tell you is study video, because, uh, you know, a lot of times the human eye misses things in the heat of the moment and i watch so much video and break down the game um in so many different levels that that's helped my coaching career tremendously and i think this is something that a lot of coaches uh definitely don't do and it's you know i think it has to happen to be healthy is you have to have some balance and it's hard because you're so entrenched in it but you have to have balance and i'll be the first to admit it's extremely hard with three daughters and a life during season, but you got to set some time away for them to step away from it. It's just going to help you mentally for when you're back into it. Um, and I think my first year coaching, I didn't have that balance. I was all in, it was my first year, um, which I'm still all in, but you got to have some balance and take a break for little spurts during the day to, you know, be there and just step away. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's as you get older, you know, you realize you're 42, 42 right now. Yeah. OK, so I'm yep. 42 as well. And, you know, this is my 20th year coaching, which is absurd to think that it's been 20 years. But, you know, the thing that I've learned over the course of this journey is like, God, you got to take a break, man. You've got to be able to unwind. And that doesn't mean you're not working your butt off. I think a lot of young coaches yeah. don't see that. You know, they think it's like I'm going to coach every age group back to back to back to back. But it's like honestly taking a break and just having dinner with your spouse, <laughs> you know, and your kids. Yeah, no, exactly. So yeah. important to keep you sane, you know, to keep your family sane. I think that's really, really good advice to give young coaches out there. Keep working your butt off, but make time for other people in your life. For sure,
1: because you know right now, everyone is feeling that, right? Like family is most important and, uh, you know, definitely, you know, things go by very quickly as you know, 20 years coaching, right? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but yeah, definitely balance is key. And I I will say that the number one person who who taught me that
0: is coach Schroeder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Merrill, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this conversation. Um, it's been really insightful and I think, you know, for, for really for a bunch of reasons. But I think one of the, one of the key takeaways for me uh, personally is the, the, that mental aspect, the mental game and, and how you just have a, a totally different perspective being a goalie and being an Olympic goalie at that. So I, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate your time and, and all the knowledge that you've been, you've, you've always been really gracious towards me personally. And I just want to throw that out there. You've always been really nice and you know, really like just opening and welcoming to me, uh, personally. And so I just can't thank you enough for, uh, what you've done for the sport, the community and and the coaching community as a whole. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, Steve. I think, uh, you're doing great things as well. Love your podcast and, uh, you're doing a great job and it's great to see, uh, you getting the type of people that you're getting on and, uh, you know, like we've talked about, just getting the sport of water polo out there to more ears and more eyes is, uh, is huge, and I'm honored to be on your show and appreciate it, and uh, hopefully down the road we can do it again.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again.